Thank you, guys. Morena Tefano. Um, it's a great time of the year, right? It's the end. <laughs> it's the last day of the year. And it's fascinating because I spent this whole week thinking, you know, we don't start our series on the Minor Prophets next, until next week, and Christmas ended last week, so what do I do in between? And I'm thinking, the 31st of December, oh my goodness, what would I preach? It's the end? No. It's also the beginning, Right? Because 2024 starts in just a few hours. Then I thought, what would I preach to myself? Like if I were to sit and talk to myself in the mirror and I would look at a Bible verse and unpack it, what would I preach to myself? And well, the first thing that actually came to mind was the book of James and this verse in particular. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes and all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. And you're wondering, that's the verse you thought of, Rob? It really was because, look, my natural instinct, my natural tendency is to look at the big picture. And when I look at the big picture, I'm thinking all these great things. And for me, end of the year isn't the end of anything. I get really excited about the next year because I could do it all over again and I could do it differently. So I get quite excited at this time of year. Christmas is kind of behind me because that's a big rush, isn't it, right? We get through that, and you know, for you guys here, it's like, okay, we're going on holidays, we're doing the thing. For me, it's like, yes, I get to plan out the whole year. And sometimes my planning, well, it's just that, my planning. And sometimes, believe it or not, even as a pastor, I kind of forget to bring God into the picture. And so this is a timely reminder for myself how do I deal with this and allow God to take lead rather than just running ahead and just doing things? And look, this is not just the big picture stuff. We all fall into the trap of just doing what we do. Because when you read this first part of the verse, today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, that sounds really normal, right? What's wrong with that? We do that pretty much every day, maybe not on those terms, but certainly in the way of what will I do today? I'll go here, I'll go there, I'll go work, I'll make money. It's normal. So James, why are you picking on us? What are you all about? You know, let me hit a pause for a moment. The one thing I love when I preach that I want to help people understand is context, right? You hear me telling the whole historical background behind things, what people were thinking at the time. And when you make those connections, it kind of brings the Bible to life, right? You know, it's fascinating when people come to me and they say, well, the Bible's not relevant. It's totally relevant. You know why? It's about people. And people are the same no matter what age, no matter what time period. 
our responses are the same. Yeah, it's fascinating. I had somebody, uh, it's happened several times where people, Kiwis will come up to me and say, how did those Americans vote for Trump? And I look back and I go, how did you guys vote for Robert Muldoon? <laughs> not once, not twice, but three times. You imagine Muldoon with a Twitter account. <laughs> There'll be very poor relations everywhere. <laughs> I'm joking, but what I'm saying is, is that actually we're all kind of the same, and the Bible shows this, that no matter 2,000 years have passed, no matter that we now have Twitter accounts and all sorts of different things today, and no matter what's going on in the world, it's the same. What happened back then, the way people felt, is no different to the way we feel today. But then sometimes the Bible throws verses at us that really make sense, like this one. Because this is like speaking today in language, doesn't it? It's like there's just like James has just looked 2,000 years into the future and he's speaking directly to us now. I don't need to go into context on this one. This is pretty straightforward. Why? Because we do it every day. So what's he actually trying to tell us through this? Because, look, frankly, when I read that verse, I'm like, what's the problem with that? And it's pretty straightforward. What he's actually speaking against is this. Godless planning. Now, it's easy to fall into the trap of just making every day every day. It's easy to fall into the trap of just planning the way we just always plan. And sometimes even when I'm preaching, I fall into this trap. What am I going to preach on? What will I say? And what will I share? Rather than stopping maybe and saying, okay, God, I think I'm going to go ahead with this, but I really want you here and I need you to direct me because I don't want this to be about me. Here's where James really hits us between the eyes. And at this time of the year, it's really important because I know some of you have already started thinking, what's 2024 going to look like? As some of you have been reading me and what I've been doing, you're like, Rob, you've got a lot of plans for 2024. You've sent an email out this last week and it's got all this stuff happening. Yep, we're all planning. We've all got stuff happening we're all thinking ahead and the challenge I want to give you on this last day of the year with tomorrow being the first day of a new year is where does God factor into your planning now James is pretty brutal he, he, he basically lays it down the thing I love about the book of James is he doesn't hold back he must have been Italian in some form because he's just the Latino blood's coming out. He's just telling it as he sees it. And he says, look, guys, there's enough going on in your lives that you, you've got to be convinced that no matter what you plan, there are things that will inhibit those plans. Let's talk about the complexities of the world, right? I've, I've been uh, of the earth. I've been working with our resident travel agent, Katrina Harding. Hi, Katrina. Um, and helping her with some bookings. And you know, it's fascinating when you get people who have got all these plans laid out. And you know, I've just read this morning that there's a flooding in the channel, you know, the train between London and Paris. And I'm just thinking all those people who had planned meticulously their travel arrangements, a bit of flooding, the earth has moved and now they can't go anywhere. And the headache it causes them and even us as their agents trying to rebook things and, and reschedule things and change plans around, it's a headache and it's totally out of your control. When I first got 
the job here in New Zealand uh, almost 13 years ago, Christchurch, I'm thinking, senior pastor of the church in Christchurch, I've got this nailed two months later, earthquake. I don't have this nailed at all. I'm all shook up now, literally. But complexities with the earth. So when you try to plan, the earth always seems to throw a curveball. But the world itself does the same thing, right? When we plan, you know, right before I went on sabbatical, I had to sit down with Andy and I said, Andy, you need to be planning your sabbatical for next year. You need to get down and while I'm gone, I want to see a plan being drawn up so that when I get back, you've got the plan going. He goes, I said, have you got any ideas? He goes, yeah, I've been really wanting to go to Israel. I've been, I've never been, I really want to go, I think it's going to be awesome. And I'm like, that's amazing. That's going to be a great trip for you and the whole thing. And then look what happened. And so when I got back, he's like, I think it might be a couple of years at least before I can go. <clears throat> the world does its thing. People do its thing. But, you know, we talk about the complexities of earth or the world. We have our own complexities in our own lives. Things that happen that just we don't expect. Plans for holidays that get interrupted. Plans that happen personally that stop us from doing things. And James is just kind of highlighting, hey, all this stuff, let me just say to you, don't be a fool. What's God's will in all of this? You keep planning and planning and planning. These things are going to happen. They're totally out of your control. When 2020 came about, we as a church released a vision that I think every other church on the planet came out with, and it was called 2020 Vision. The problem was none of us had sight of what was coming. And all the prophets that apparently are on this planet, none of them could tell us what was happening. None of them predicted it was going to happen. And so we had to change completely. And part of that prayer process was trying to think, God, what are you doing? Did we miss something? And, and, and what do we do now? Because that gets you on your knees, right? Those little interruptions. So when you read Ephesians and Paul tells us, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The other translations put it this way. They say, don't act thoughtlessly. The message says it this way. Don't live unthinkingly. So when it comes to planning, the challenge I have for you is, where is God in the planning? What you're thinking about doing tonight. Where is God in the planning? What, what are you going to do tomorrow? Where is God in the planning? Now be careful, because I've had people who just don't do anything waiting on God to answer them. The whole, uh, you know, culture of the 90s in particular and, and you know, the, the, I was the youth pastor in the late 90s, early 2000s, and there was this whole culture of being, you know, pure and, and, and right and following God. And a lot of people didn't get married because they were waiting for the perfect person because we had instilled a, a kind of fear in them that, you know, if you marry someone, you're going to be stuck with them for the rest of your life. So they better be the right one, and they better be the one that God brings into their lives. And you're like, whoa, okay. Now we realize that marriage is hard work no matter what. 
And many people have sat waiting, waiting. Is this the right person? Is that the right person? Is this the right thing? Is this the right decision? How do I do? And they get stumped and they don't move. I'm not advocating that at all. What I am challenging you on is where is God in the process? Because let's be honest, life is frail. Life, I don't know, human bodies aren't really built to withstand much when you think about it. We're not rhinos that can run into cars. You know, again, James, in his honest and blunt way, he says, you're a mist, you're vapour, you're, you're a cloud, you come and go. Thanks. That makes me feel really good. The toughest funeral that I've been a part of was in my first year at Apawa, a little girl who was part of one of our congregations, two years old, she'd scratched herself, but she continued to scratch herself, that it got infected, and the parents missed it. And the infection went to the heart, she had a stroke and died. How do you do a funeral and explain that one? There is no explaining. All I can say is life is frail. From one day to the next, we could be here, we might not be here. From one day to the next, all the planning that we've done is gone. My father, when I was 16, coming home on his motorbike from work, I can't imagine what dreams he had, what plans he had, but they were stopped in a moment when a person went straight through a stop sign and took him out. Life is frail. So the question then is, where, where is God in all of this in your life? Life is also brief. Again, James being really blunt about it says, you know, your life appears for a little while and then it vanishes. And it's so true. A good friend of mine's father's just passed away two days ago. I'd known him, I've known this friend for a number of years. In fact, we pastored together for a number of years. And I'd known his father and now his father's passed away. And, and you think, wow, it, has time gone that quickly? And this is a challenge for us because as much as we do all this planning, as much as we've got all these things laid out for what our lives might look like, I, I don't know what my dad's retirement plan was, but it didn't happen. The question is, actually, then God becomes far more important rather than the plans I have. Right? I'm not trying to be a downer on an awesome celebration day like today. But it's a challenge I want to lay before you. Today, tomorrow, we do these plans. In 2009... Monica and I, we were in Washington, D.C., just outside of Washington, D.C. We're at Southview Baptist Church. And in 2009, I hadn't been thinking about moving on. I'd only been there two years, going on three. But I got a call from a guy, a pastor guy in, in York, Pennsylvania. Now, York, if you don't know it, is a beautiful place in the middle of what they call Pennsylvania Dutch country, where the Amish are. Lovely place, right? He gives me a call. He says, hey, we've got a project here. We've just bought an old Kmart department store. We're converting it into a church. I want you to be on the team. I was like, yeah, I'm not really convinced about leaving right now. I've only been here 
a little while. It's not right that I just take off. And he goes, look, just come up and have a look. We're interviewing some guys, but we really want you to be putting your name in. Okay, it won't hurt. Let me go ahead and do that. God, I don't know if he was in the picture at the beginning at that. I just thought this was a God moment anyway. Who'd call me out of the blue? And then as time went by, we really kind of got excited about this. We went up there and visited them. We saw the team. We saw all the plans they had. We, we saw the town. And this is like amazing. This is something that we could really sink our teeth into. And I thought, this must be from God. And so they went through the interview process. They eliminated all these people. And it came down to just the two of us. And they invited us back up there. I preached at the church. You know, we talked with the team about what plans might look like. We did all these things. Monica and I started looking at houses and realized, oh my goodness, it's so cheap up here. We could buy a house. Like really cheap. You know, the old front porches, you know, the main street. It's very Americana. It was just lovely. And we thought this would be great for the kids. It would be great for us. And it's all going well. And then all of a sudden I get a call from the guys and they say, hey, Rob, between the two of you, we went with the other guy. I'm sorry. And I'm like, huh? What? God, why did you do this? He's must probably scratching his head thinking, why didn't you talk to me? It was fascinating because at that point I realized, hey, maybe it is time for me to move on from Southview if this is already pulling me away. And only a few months later, out of the blue, I get this communication around a church in Christchurch. And that process begins and starts up and that's, you know, how is this going to work? But this time around, I thought, hey, I think I better talk to God about this one because I don't want to go through that again. And this was a long process. I I don't know, churches tend to take a long time to hire pastors and it was a five-month process. And Monica and I were getting a little bit frustrated with the whole thing because it was taking a long time. And then out of the blue, guess where I get a call from? I get a call from York. The guy's on the phone to me. Hey, Rob, the guy didn't work out. In fact, it's a horror story. The rest of the team are are screaming for you to come up and and reconsider. I'm like, I don't need to reconsider. You guys need to reconsider. And I'm stuck now, and I turn to Monica, and I'm like, you wouldn't believe. I said, look, I need a moment to think about this and pray about it. I turned to Monica and I was like, what do I do with this? And she says, pray. (laughs) But she couldn't believe it either. York was perfect. We didn't know what was happening in New Zealand. We had no idea. We were in the middle of a very long process. Could this happen? It might not happen. In the end, I had to call him back and I said, no, both my wife and I feel that God's leading us in this direction. And his response to me was, has it, is it certain? Is it worked out? And we're like, no. I've just got to trust that he's going to make it happen. And if it doesn't happen, he'll have something else for me. But York is closed. So the peace that I had about making that call, had I not spoken to God, I most probably wouldn't have had that peace. Had I not been on my knees praying about it and saying, okay, God, this is your deal, mate. I can't make this call. You need to make it for me. 
in Proverbs, or in Psalms, sorry, it says this, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. And sometimes we can be wicked people. The word would be sinful people. That we don't allow God room into our lives, into our decision making. In every aspect of our lives. I used to teach young people, youth, I'd say, hey, you know, God's everywhere. You know that, right? Like you think you're alone, but God's there. Because he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Why do we not acknowledge him? Why don't we turn to him? Why don't we hand it to him? Um, in 1 John, he's, he's, he's unpacking this whole thing about sin and what it means to be sinful. He says, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that Jesus appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. I think John's Italian as well, because that's a pretty hard word. But what I kind of, in my simple mind, want to bring this down to is this. What happens in our lives is sometimes sin is the road and Jesus is the pothole that kind of wakes us up. It should be the other way around. Jesus is the road and sin's the pothole that knocks us about every once in a while but we stay on the road. Does that make sense? For too many of us, the way we plan, God's the pothole. We've got our plan, our way of doing things. We do it. And every once in a while, we get this little bump. Oh yeah, God, I remember him. And so he becomes part of it. And the challenge I want to give you is this. Make God the road and you be the pothole. So that when you are planning, he is always number one. And every once in a while, it gets tripped up because you've made a bad call. Because <laughs> we are human, right? We are going to make a bad call every once in a while. Sometimes every day. And that's the challenge I want to give you this. Sin equals the pothole. The planning has to be God and God first. In everything you do. So while... You go tonight and you have this great old time and you think of the new year as it ushers in and the plans you might have for this future time. Make God the road, not the pothole in your planning. Just like make Jesus the road, not the pothole when it comes to planning. Another analogy I want to use is I'm going to challenge you all to be a little bit more like Christopher Columbus, right? Christopher Columbus, when he left Spain, he had no idea where he was going. When he got there to the new world, he had no idea where he was at. And when he went back to Spain, back to the court of King Ferdinand, he had no idea where he'd gone. And the great thing about it, he did it all on borrowed money. This is us in a sense. You head out trusting that God has got you. He's got you. And sometimes we get to a place where, you know, frankly, how I got to Hutt City Baptist Church still scratches my head and think, how did I get here? If I look back at my life, how did I get here? 
And like Christopher Columbus, he just headed out. He trusted whatever it was that somehow he was going to hit something. And when he got there, he didn't really know where he'd gotten to. And when he got back, he couldn't really explain how he'd gotten there. So the next person that had to go after him had to do the same thing he did. We've got to trust where we're going because he said it's that way. And he did it all <laughs> on someone else's dime. We do everything on someone else's dollar. That's Jesus. He's already paid that price. He's already there leading us. He's the road, not the pothole. And so when you read a verse like this, which I'm kind of, I've spent actually hours umming and ahhing whether I should share this verse because it deserves a sermon on its own because it's been so blown out by too many people over the years. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's a trusting verse. We don't know what God good looks like. Believe me, sometimes we're in the middle of the bad and we're figuring out, how's this good? And even looking back sometimes, we might question God about, how did you see this as good? I don't know. But I trust that he has all things in control. I trust that he has everything in his hands. And as I plan for 2024, I've got to trust him that it's his and he's alone. Because on my own power, I would have missed the new world. I'd still be circling the Atlantic in those three little wooden ships. What's that uh, song by um, that Kiwi band? Six months in a leaky boat? Crowded house. No, split ends. <laughs> I was going to say that Aussie band, but that, that, that's going to cause problems. Um, and you know that all things, uh, God works for the good of those who love him. We might not understand what good looks like or what that means, but this is a trust verse. And so I, try, I just put it at your feet. Trust God with the new year that's to come. Trust God that he has plans and he wants you to be a part of those plans. He wants to be a part of your plans. He doesn't want to be the pothole. He wants to be the road. Trust him that he's got all things. 2023 is gone. You know, we can't go back to that. Finished. For some of you, that's like, yay. New Year. Face it with the trust that God has gone ahead of you. Amen? Amen. I ask the music team to come up. Father God, um, for some of us looking into the new year, it's going to be scary, freaky, is it going to be like last year or the year before? For some of us, we're excited. We've got plans. We've got big things happening. And for the rest of us, maybe it's just going to be another year. Whatever it might be, Lord. Well, may we make you the road of our plans. You're not just an element. You are it. You are all. We pray this. We sing this. We read this but make it real in our lives, Lord. Turn our hearts to you. That you're not just some pothole that wakes us up every once in a while, but you are the wheels, the whole thing that just leans us in and drives us forward. And as we do plan, Lord, Holy Spirit, just 
uh, tug our heart when we get so caught up in our own selves. And when we don't know what's going on, cover us in your love and give us understanding. Bless us, Lord, I pray. Bless us as we usher in a new year. For your glory, in Jesus' name.